Hello, 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 all of my sweet, sweet nobodies out there. One day, one day, I'm going to grind those bones into some flour. And I'm going to make some bread and eat it. And you are going to be delicious. And you know it. I know it. The whole world knows it. It's just, when's the time? Hmm. So, the strangest thing struck me as I was sitting down to write the intro that would finally allow me to release this episode, which has been in limbo for far longer than intended or warranted. This epiphany of the odd variety was a thought that caused me to question why I hadn't questioned or even found a cause for pause to ponder the glaring omission of a trope so ingrained in the part of my mind that that holds all of the, the, the cliff note tidbits I've accumulated to impress strangers waiting in line at a taco truck and or telemarketers completely unaware that the auto-dialed phone number that now rings has no money, plenty of time, and is filled to the brim with murder facts and Snapple bottle top provided trivia. But the surprising thing here is uh, is one that I feel somewhat loathsome for having to, uh, to realize that it had all but relegated itself to the sidelines, effectively defanging its effective influence for almost the entirety of the story. What I didn't expect from a story that takes place in the early 1900s involving a black man, an axe, and suspected gratuitous application of said tool is the fact that almost zero of the uh, admittedly 100% white folk that were left to uphold the letter of the law made like a big deal about the fact that Jake Bird was a black man. It was mentioned once or twice, sure, but but looking back on those moments now, it, it reads more like a description tool than, uh, you know, anything meant to accentuate the, uh, the era at hand's propensity for the intolerant, violent spewing of racial rhetoric. Now, that is absolutely not to say that I don't believe that his race was uh, considered a factor when trying and convicting him, you know? Because uh, that would be ridiculous. This was a, a turn-of-the-century courtroom staffed by turn-of-the-century people intending to, uh, to mete out turn-of-the-century justice. I more just find it fascinating, really, that the contemporary news media of the day found restraint and uh, you could even somewhat say tact <laughs> uh, when they spoke of Jake Bird, who was uh, a black man who had perpetrated this bloody rampage, of which, really, he, he wouldn't even divulge the, the bulk of until after the uh, the original trial, but I guess uh, you know the um, impending death cloud that is the death penalty tends to uh, get your gums a flapping if it can save you for even just a minute. You know, um, I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Even though the audio is a wee bit subpar, we used a new mic and the software that was included decided to make a few default decisions that were almost impossible. To reverse engineer. But every episode from now on, I swear, swear to God, that doesn't sound awesome. I'm cutting one of Chris's fingers off. What does he need him for? To flip me off while we record? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digits goodbye. No more digital Chris. Mm. Enjoy. My girl, my girl, don't lie.
has made today the day that we believe in him and the day that the Lord shall come again right in your fucking cherry, your hairy chest uh, Cuban link chain, you know? No. And then you're like, man, I just, just got that back from the, the jewelers. It was cleaned. It was nice. And now, I mean, it's not my eyes and I appreciate that because that that can cause big problems, but you got to respect the chest hair chain. You do. Yeah. Now by we, do you mean you and I or like the Royal we? Um, I mean like P, P we, Herman, Paul Rubens. Don't think he has much chest hair for that. I know that I don't. Certainly not enough for that I, fat I, Cuban link. I, I mean, I have some, I am <clears throat> of course an old man now. So there is hair where there used to not be, uh, even in places where I, I wasn't anticipating it for years. Right. Um, right. Man, some of it's so hard to get rid of. Uh, I agree. The other day I had this knife, right? And I was just totally going at it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then I, after I was done cutting the apple uh, that my daughter was going to eat for breakfast, I went and I shaved. And everything was good. Was that the Undertaker hand or something? Or, no, mankind's hand. It was. It was similar to either one. It it means that I will choke slam you. <clears throat> Don't do that. The only thing around here is this beautiful table that weighs six thousand pounds that you helped me bring into this fucking house. <clears throat> and on it is part of your livelihood. Uh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very very good at. Uh, and actually, that none of that's mine. It's all Melissa's. Oh. My stuff has been picked up because I have started treating my business like a business so i can dip my balls in it then huh? i don't know how you would physically like by the laws of physics mind you <laughs> how you would dip anything in any of that i'm gonna i'm gonna teabag those <clears throat> and that i mean i think that this is a free country take all the lids off of these mm -hmm. No, I, no, I give him a vigorous rub. I think that the uh, the fact that you have put so much thought into it, even though it's stupid, I think you've won already. And then I'm gonna do one of those angry dude things, that, like in the movies, where they like brush all the stuff off the table or the desk or something, just to have sex with their secretaries. And I'm going to use my nuts for it. I am not your secretary. I am your secretariat. I'm a, I'm a racehorse. And you know that. Show's on. Mine too. And welcome to another rambling nonsensical episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. I'm going to use my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> UFOs, conspiracies, and moitas. Nut moitas! Nut moitas. That's much. <laughs> Damn it. You cut, <laughs> you cut off my... That's much. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers that you switched to nut much instead of Pepperidge Farms. <laughs> An elephant never forgets and Pepperidge Farm always motherfucking remembers. A clock, 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 clock. That's the sound of a... Uh, that's a... That's a violent murder with a gun. By the way, <clears throat> if you like the thought of the uh, the old Pepperidge Farm guy <laughs> shooting up some nuts much, <laughs> you can email us at... <laughs> I need it, man. I need my nuts much today. I haven't had it. I'll remember this. <laughs> S-N-H-N-S-N-P-O-D at gmail.com. Care of Jason Rambo. Or nuts much. You have to you have to really draw out the the S. Is it wait H? It would be an H. You can't draw out an H. Much. Or you have to be C H. I guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that makes the sense. We'll go with that. Next much. That's the only way he'll recognize it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. he's immediately deleting the email. I'd. I'd been doing that anyway, even with the nuts much thing. Mm -hmm. I hate our fucking listeners so much. Mm -hmm. You know why? 
they're just too beautiful. I have been stalking most of them. And not like a real intense stalking, but like a like a uh, admire from afar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to see how what makes them tick. Up on this third tree mm-hmm. branch. And I can't for the life of me understand why they fucking listen to us at all. Mm. Except for the fact that we are as attractive and beautiful and wonderful and and lighthearted and nice as they are. Especially in person. Except for that one dude I stabbed at one time because he touched my nuts much. That was totally different. Nuts much. Your, ah. nuts, your nuts much were <laughs> in jeopardy and I believe that's warranted. Mm-hmm. Nay. Necessary. And I, you know what? I, I, I paid my dues. I served my time. Uh, not in jail, but in the, the prison of the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I felt mm-hmm. bad about that mm-hmm. for a good long time. I took a shower and a half and maybe a bag of... Dirt, no, uh, the, the Cheetos uh, p- popcorn that I yeah, had today. Yeah. Whole pack of Big Red. That <clears throat> yeah, was good. So, Jake Bird is not a bird named Jake. Or a Jake named Bird. Nor is it the second cousin of a basketball player. It could be Larry Bird's cousin. They can both <laughs> jump. I know that. <clears throat> Just like white men. Jake Bird was born, and I, I'll quote, somewhere out in Louisiana where there ain't no post office. Uh, I guess there's probably a few towns like that, but... I mean, still probably. Yeah. I but... mean, and this is in the fucking what... Uh, let me see when he was born. Sounds quite desolate. He though. was born uh, December 14th, uh, 1901. Jeez. Yeah, there are plenty more towns weren't weren't no you know, the, post offices. Yeah, the city we're in now was literally just a swamp then. And it was until like the 40s or some shit, huh? Wow. That's when Kenner popped up or some shit. Hmm, yeah, yeah, probably. Sounds about right. Yeah. That's because it's the truth that I just made up. Um, (laughs) That still sounds right to me. So he lived in this desolate, swampy, shitty, mosquito-infested, Rougarou-Havin place until... Which we know it was. No, he he literally, in his his memoirs that he did not write, that I just made up, he said that uh, he had two best friends that were Rougarous, uh, but... By the time he turned uh, uh, 13, they just couldn't hang out with him anymore. Mm-hmm. They were getting into too much. You know, and I blame the public school system. You know, I really do. Because uh, they can't count that high. And it's it's not that hard to do. I can go to at least 16 or 17. I can count so high. Like, I get really, really high. Mm-hmm. And then I start rattling off at numbers. Yeah, he does. Oh, my goodness. I can count on you, Chris. Mm. You're my friend. So shut your mouth. <laughs> Let me finish this fucking sentence. Down the road and back again. Man, thank you for being a friend. So he lived in this place until he was 19, when he seemed to decide that he might like to try a town with a post office. The end. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Make me smile. Show me that smile. This isn't mashups. We're not playing mashups. Continue. You know MASH's theme song is called, uh, it was, uh, Suicide is But a Fantasy? It's bleak. It was about the Korean War. I know. That guy's, whatever that is. I'll tell you what. All of you people out there that have, uh, fireplaces, I understand now why you hate them. I can hear people talking outside. Oh. Like it's coming through the fucking goddamn wall right That's here. That's crazy. It is insane. When it's really windy, it fucking makes the house swell inside. It's nuts. Anyway, That's over much. the following years of his life, he never really settled down anywhere for long. He worked as everything from a manual laborer to a gandy dancer. I don't know, but it's a railroad thing. I don't know if it's a railroad job, but he... He he was he danced on Gandhi's, unless dancing is not dancing, uh, uh, you know, like we think of it. And Gandhi is like a. Th- <clears throat> well, now I'm curious. What the hell, Gandhi? How could you not be curious? What a Gandhi dancer is? I have no fucking clue. But while you look it up, I'll continue. It was this type of work that built Jake's strength and also allowed him to keep moving from town to town, always finding something to do for money. 
Like that one time he got real good at fucking playing jacks. Uh-huh. Yep, uh, yep, I heard that. Uh, a member of a railroad section gang that lays or maintains track is G- a Gandhi dancer. Gang meaning just group of workers that usually work together, right? Not They're Correct. not like the Jets and the Sharks. Correct. Man. The term dancer, apparently in reference to the rhythmic movements characteristic of such work. Gandhi is unexplained. The existence (laughs) of a Gandhi manufacturing company, which supposedly produced tools used by section gangs, has not been substantiated. I don't know if I trust that Gandhi factory that made tools specifically to do the things that these people were doing as this thing that they said. However... Hmm. However, but yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, I guess, the, uh, the classical, uh, like, what your mind shows you when you think of people building the railroad or laying down track for the railroad is you see the people that are outside with the, the long, huge iron fucking tracks that they put down with the, the wood under them, and then they're hammering those fucking nails into the side. That's a Gandhi dancer. That's a Gandhi dancer. <clears throat> I, th- I think that's, that's my new insult for people with bad haircuts while we're out driving around and say, Check out that fucking candy dancer. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> Stupid hair. Uh, so he traveled uh, all all around the places. Uh, all, you know, people traveled back then. They didn't mm. stay in one place for long because there's no fucking post office. Especially with such access to the tracks. How are you going to send mail bombs? Could be on either side. <laughs> there's no post office. This guy needed a plan. He needed... A facility. He needed to dance the Gandhi. Fantastic. To gather the resources, yes. So his travels ended. Uh, no. You know what? Fuck that. We are not gonna hit that one yet. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit further back. He's uh, gonna Gandhi <clears throat> dance around it. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> um th- I know I saw one that had the thing I'm looking for. There it is. <clears throat> Sorry, Murderpedia can sometimes be uh, an obtuse lover. Indeed. That's my favorite Dionne Warwick song. Obtuse lover? No, uh, Murderpedia can sometimes be an obtuse lover. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he was a transient, which is... I think what most of America was at the time. Um, he had a, a pretty lengthy criminal record, including burglaries, assaults, attempted murder, and murder most foul. Most foul. Which is just regular murder uh, at, at the same time. Uh, so he, uh, he himself would later estimate that he had probably served about 15 years of his life total in prisons for committing just whatever. Um, so you know, he left down home. here in Louisiana. He didn't. Uh, no, I mean, he he only stayed in Louisiana until he was nineteen. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then he left, and then uh, you know, he never stayed in in one place for long. Um, he was what was called a uh, uh, itinerant it, it, itinerant i t i n e. R A N T. Itinerant. Itinerant. I don't know why I said itinerant. So itinerant worker. Uh, often he found employment with the railroad as a Gandhi dancer. Uh, section gang laborer, uh, uh, to be more specific, which would allow him to earn money and also move from town to town. Um, so it seemed to lend itself quite well to his lifestyle of <clears throat> not wanting to look at the same hill for more than two days i guess criminal behaviors piss me off fucking hills always fucking lording it over me like i that. swear that depending on where he was laying track too that is should have been pretty bad so uh he was uh damn okay uh, we're gonna just jump into it i guess apparently into the the big one because then other stuff adds itself to it afterwards and hello with the baby hi so hello, baby. on October 30th 1949 so he is now 48 years old hmm. um, wait why does it say a 45 year old transient if he's if it's if he was born in 
1901. Your math is correct. And this is 1949. There, there, there. I mean, it is October, so... The writing is wrong. So technically, he'd still just be 47. Uh, anyway, he breaks into the home of Bertha Klutt, K-L-U-D-T, mm-hmm. and her... Clute and her daughter, Beverly June Clute. Mm. Uh, change your last names, ladies. That's, uh, and hacks them to death with an axe. Which, as we were kind of talking about earlier, uh, is, kind of, I think, maybe the first axe murders that we've spoken about on our show where the axe was used to axe murder someone and not as a baseball bat. What was the motive? Um, you know, he like, uh, um, it's just uh, two police officers sent to the Tacoma residence to investigate reports of screams from inside the residence. See a man running out the back door, and then they fucking give chase. Uh, he's eventually captured in this foot chase, and then taken to the to the uh, Tacoma City Jail, where he confesses to not only uh, these killings but many more. He said that these were. Uh, basically just a burglary that had gone bad. Um, I was trying to burgle their souls. Trying to burgle. And then one of them yelled and screamed. And I'm like, well, that went wrong. That went bad. I guess we should split them. So on November 26, 1947, which is impossible? Because that says 1949. Um... So it has to be 47. Mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. That is a typo. And fuck That's, that person. <laughs> that would have been, yeah. Anyway. So after a three-day trial, uh, which is not very long, a Pierce County jury convicts him of first-degree murder, and right, uh, they recommend the death penalty. Those counts. I was going to say maybe they should recommend, like, uh, uh, using the, what was it, uh, Crest? The dick penalty. Yes, the the crest toothpaste is what I meant. Not is there something with you, you smear it all <clears throat> over the head and the that and would the balls burn so bad. Yes, I mean it's a penalty. I guess for her, it's quite so, a penalty. So yeah, yeah, I mean it makes sense. And then follow it up with icy hot. Oh, so while on death row, uh, he then continues to confess uh, to committing or being involved in at least. 44 murders during his travels across the country. That's a decent body count. Yeah, 44. Yes, I I agree. Jeez. That is uh, more than a decent body count. Uh, So, on October 30th, 1947, uh, which we know was was that that day on the thing there. Mm -hmm, Um, mm Mm-hmm. This uh, it gives us a little bit more of the, the chase. Because this is kind of all we have of him is that he for sure axe murdered these ladies and was caught by these cops and then did this stuff and then was hung. So he was cool about it the whole time. I mean, I wouldn't say cool about it. I mean, the, the photo of him uh, leaned back on the phone uh with a cigar is pretty cool. I mean, I would think that that is pretty indicative of these not being his first murders. Uh, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, maybe. I think that he might just have been the, the, the kind of psychopath that knew when his jig was up and then was like, well, since there's literally no fight in this, I might as well have a good time. Until, maybe, you know? Did already do some time for attempted murder, though, you said. Yeah, apparently. I hope that it's true. (laughs) So, uh, at uh, 2.30 a.m. on the 30th, Tacoma police officers Andrew P. Sabutis, S-A-B-U-T-I-S. No idea what what origin that is. Sabutis. Sabutis. And Evan, and then in quotes, Skip Davies. That's right. With Sabutis and Skip. Davies. <laughs> they were dispatched to 1007 South 21st Street to investigate reports of screams emanating from inside the residence. As they approached, a barefoot man ran out of the back door into the backyard and crashed through a picket fence. 
the two patrolmen immediately gave chase, even though they didn't have bear feet. No, they like had this shoes. guy. This guy had the feet of a bear. It's probably why it was caught. And the heart of an eagle. And and he had the testicles of a turtle that was completely unrelated to anything. A human chimera. <clears throat> no. No, 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 no. He, he ate the eagle heart, along with most of the rest of the eagle, uh, truthfully. Um, it's a, that's a, we'll talk about that on another episode, or actually not. We won't ever do that, because I just, I, I'm, I just ate this pizza, and now I'm thinking, like, well, is that what eagle heart tastes like? Mm. I bet it is. Mucho marinara. Sriracha. Sriracha covered. <clears throat> um so after scaling uh, a couple more backyard fences, the fugitive was finally stopped by a high fence and cornered in an alley behind 2122 South J Street. Just the letter J, which is odd. He pulled out a jackknife, which is like a, isn't that like a ice skater move? Jackknife? Oh, no, that's uh, uh, what that's trucks a, do on yeah. ice. Trucks on ice. Trucks on ice. We know all too well how cool those are. Trucks are awesome and nice. And then he attacked the officers. What? That's why he got caught. He cut Skip's hand and he stabbed Sabutis in the shoulder. With an axe? No, with his his jackknife. Oh, oh, jackknife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jack Bird with the jackknife. Okay. Uh, Officer Sabutis, a former prize fighter known as Tiny Lamar, Tiny Lamar Sabutis. Uh, He subdued the assailant with a left hook to the jaw. Bing, bing! And a kick to the dick. Ooh. Ba-boom! That's a good combo. Stab me in the shoulder, you son of a bitch. I'm motherfucking Tiny Lamar. Left hook, right thrust kick. Kick to the groin. Yeah. After the fight, the prisoner was taken to the Tacoma General Hospital by Officer John Hickey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll skip right past it because we're adults. That's right. Uh, took him there in a patrol wagon where he received treatment for head and face lacerations. <clears throat> uh, Sabutis was uh, admitted to St. Joseph Hospital with a severe back wound and Davies had uh, the cuts on his hands stitched and bandaged at the same hospital. Um, when police officers entered the residence uh, that they found this man fleeing from, they found Bertha Clute at age 52, dead in her bedroom, and then adjacent to the kitchen, and the body of her daughter, uh, Beverly June Clute, age 17, on the kitchen floor. Both women had been bludgeoned to death with an axe, which had then been left at the crime scene. Um, <clears throat> Detective Lieutenant Earl Cornelson, yep, that's right. Uh, determined that an attempt had been made to sexually assault Bertha Clute before she was intentionally slain. Uh, Beverly June, hearing her mother's screams, apparently dashed from her upstairs bedroom into the kitchen where she encountered the assailant and was murdered. Moited. Moited. So, <clears throat> so they have this uh, axe murdering uh, attempted rapist piece of garbage that has been these things for a very long time. Jack Bird. Jackknife, Jackbird, bare feet, eagle heart. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I like it too. I don't like him. No, I am not a part of his uh, uh, posse or crew or what was it called? Uh, it was a gang mm. of yeah, Gandhi dancers. The gang of Gandhi dancers. The Gandhi dancing gang of heart thief eagles. Um, so on Friday, October 31st, which you will notice is the next day and also... Halloween. So uh, it is. Deputy Prosecutor Earl D. Mann. No bullshit. E-A-R-L. The letter D, period. M-A-N-N. Earl the Mann. Okay, I need a drink to that. Earl the Mann. Hmm. And was he, though? Or was it, is he another <clears throat> one of those ones that his parents named him something cool and then he can never live we're up gonna, to we're it? We're going to have to see. We'll see what happens. Uh, he charged Jake Bird in Pierce County Superior Court with first-degree murder, but only in the death of Bertha Clute. It was customary to file only one charge in multiple homicides, where failure to obtain a conviction on the first offense would allow the filing of additional murder charges, which is fucking 
kind of genius. <clears throat> so just in case you can somehow get out of this. But wait, there's more. That's right. Uh, behind curtain number two is fuck you again. <laughs> yeah. Get ready for that shit. By the way. Man, what an asshole. It's also this dead chick. That's mean. He shouldn't do that. Yeah. Anyway. That silence was... Deafening? Just getting to the point of ever so slightly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, I know. That's that's right when the, the hair starts to prickle up on your neck. He uh, gets he gets weird whenever I gaze at his nipples. I get weird in when between. I know that my nipples are gazable. <laughs> in between silence so, moments of the show. Being interrogated by Detective Lieutenant Sherman W. Lyons at the uh, the city jail where he... Uh, so we got Lyons and the man? <laughs> lions and the man. All right. Or the man and lions. No, I like Lions and the Man. Yeah, it sounds more like a more like a eighties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like it. Well, let's get in pre-production. Lions and demand. In demand. And on demand. And demand. Because there's so much boobies in it that you can't have it on regular TV. Um, where he dictated and signed a confession in the presence of four police officers. His confession stated that he entered the Glute residence through the unlocked back door to commit a quote-unquote easy burglary. Uh, he brought along an axe that he found in a nearby shed to bluff off anyone who tried to bother me, he said. Bluff off? Yeah. I'm a guy with an axe! Well, yes, you are, sir. You continue right. on your night. Uh, so he removed the shoes, and then uh, he snuck into Bertha Glute's bedroom and stole a dollar fifty. A dollar fifty from her purse. Uh, he then returned to the kitchen. He turned around and found Bertha standing behind him. Now, you know, a lady named Bertha, probably not the speltest little uh, pushover. I mean... I imagine a running full speed, uh, it's like footsteps so loud and bassy that I have to turn my subwoofer down when I'm watching this movie. And she just, like, from three foot away, just diving tackle. I'm picturing the, the either one of the, the sets of legs that used to be the caretakers for Tom and Jerry. For for Tom, yes. But Jerry was the oh, that's the you know, that's the racist one. No, there was a black that's one the, and a white one. But it's the mammy one, isn't it? That's the one you're talking about. No, I said either one. They, you they both at me? had they both had racist tendencies. I know thick imposing legs, <laughs> and they could stomp quite a bit. Yeah, but they never not very effective stompers though. No, Jerry Jerry was way too crafty for them. Wow. Yeah. Racist. Nah. No, against Mexican mice. He's, um, he's a mouse. He doesn't have to like people uh, of any race. No, you're being racist against Mexican mes- mes- mouse. Mexican mouse. Mexican mouse. Does Mexican Mexican. <laughs> Sounds like a Mexican tire. If you have hepatitis B, <laughs> take this Mexilin. <laughs> it's a mouse with a sombrero on. Do not take Mexilin if you are allergic to Mexilin. <laughs> Mexilin. <laughs> if, if you can't stand putting mice in your butt, you probably shouldn't be on this medicine. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I didn't fucking make the rules or the medicine. Yeah, uh, Bird told her that he only wanted then. he only wanted her money and his shoes. Why he didn't leave his shoes outside is his own fault. You know what? No. You can have the money. I'm keeping your shoes. So a split a face with an axe. Period. Uh, and then he would leave. Uh, but then suddenly, Beverly June grabbed him from behind and a fierce struggle ensued, resulting in the deaths of the two women. Uh, he then added that he thought the policeman would shoot him when they had him cornered in the bushes. So he attacked him with his knife. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, 47, a black guy, axe, I'm probably going to get shot. Uh, so, Don't you know, think they had tasers back then. No. No. Or uh, an understanding of uh, racial equality. Mm. Yeah, a deeper understanding, anyway. Um, you know, like us. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly like us. <sighs> so... So we know that they're just trying them for the mom for right now. Uh, Judge Edward D. Hodge uh, appointed James W. Selden, a former Pierce County prosecutor, as his defense counsel. Uh, 
His at his arraignment, sorry, uh, Bird pled not guilty, and the trial was then set for Monday, November twenty fourth. So, can you plead not guilty if you confessed? Yes, you can say that the confession was coerced or that it was uh, you know due to stress. And, I don't know. I don't know. No, no, you can't. I was under duress, and then I was under the skirt. And the skirt. <laughs> um, so, a motion hearing on November fourteenth. Uh, at the motion hearing, uh, defense attorney Selden requested a change of venue, stating that Bird couldn't get a fair trial in Pierce County, which is probably true. Uh, he asked to be relieved as his attorney, informing the court that Bird wanted to represent himself. Oh, which is always. The best idea, guys. Like, if you find yourself in a in a, a situation where, let's say, court TV might show your trial on television, then you have a lawyer, and he's got like kind of, you know, like um, like gandy dancy hair. You can't be having no long gandy dancer's hair. And you look, man, you're fired. You fired. You're fired. I'm hired. <laughs> I think. No. Gandy dancing hair. So the judge said no. To both, of those, both of those requests, he said no. <laughs> he said no, that's your lawyer, and you're not your lawyer. <laughs> Period. And we're not moving anywhere, because fuck you. Mm-hmm. I know what you did, and I already know what I'm going to do to you. Right, judges can do that. That's right. Yeah, judges don't have to be impartial. Uh, the jury does. Judges can be like, you know what, jury, I think you're wrong. I'm going to go ahead and put him to death anyway. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. You guys will learn. You'll see one day. You'll yes. thank me. You'll thank me with high fives and, and pats on the back. And yeah, maybe like a little handy. Like, well, over the pants. Over the, over the pants. pants. Yeah, those are messy. <laughs> those are the messiest kind. <laughs> Especially when you're an old man judge. Just wearing this skirt. Enjoys <laughs> a robe. Only if I'm getting a lap dance. Um, that'd be weird to have just a lap dance for you. As a Gandhi? I mean, that's the only over-the-pants handy I'll enjoy. <clears throat> Still real messy. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Not while looking deep into your eyes. Don't you ever <laughs> slow look up at me like that again. I'd rather that, actually. Uh, so, um, the trial began on schedule, believe it or not, in the Pierce County Courthouse before Judge Hodge but was slowed by jury selection. Questioning of the prospective jurors uh, revolved around their impressions of the crime. And uh, these impressions were exclusively gleaned from the news media. Um, And basically they just asked whether uh, Jake Bird, who was a black man, could get a fair trial. Uh, Four jurors were excused when it was learned that they had recently served on another first-degree murder trial in which the defendant was convicted and sentenced to hang. Uh, And by the end of the day, a jury of nine men and three women was selected and court was recessed until 9 a.m. the next day. So, uh, the trial. It proceeded at a rapid pace and was concluded in just one and a half days of testimony. Uh, that's not very long. No. I've had uh, traffic court take longer than that. I haven't, but, you know, you get the gist. I've never been to traffic court. However, have you been in night court? Bum, 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 bum. I know that's the law and order music, but I don't remember <laughs> I was, the night court music. I was immediately trying to think of the music, too. I couldn't do it. Oh, um, Judge Harry, you fucking weirdo. No, never there either. Mm-hmm. Bull was a nice guy, even though he was a big tall. Guy with no hair. It makes me want to go maybe hang out at night court, but not have to go to night court. Roz was my favorite. Roz? Mm-hmm. Wasn't she on Friends? No. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Wait, was that the judge's black girlfriend? No. That was Whoopi Goldberg. She was one of the bailiffs. I remember her. She said, kiss my, kiss my grits. Not wrong show. Um, no, she was the one that said, dynamite! Uh, close. Just say yes. Close. So, she so said, what you talked about, Willis. That was a little end guy, though. That was the Malcolm in the Middle kid. That's right. Malcolm, I think is his name, in the middle. She said. So. <laughs> Shut up. Um, 
prosecuting attorney Patrick M. Steele. That's right. Patrick M. Steele. Well, yeah, a lot of cool guys' names in here. Well, fucking Earl DeMann. Yeah. Well, Patrick M. Steele. Well, Earl DeMann. Earl. <clears throat> Let's get married, Earl. <laughs> I want to be Patrick M. Mann. Or you could be Earl DeSteele. <laughs> or we could just keep our names and uh, and not get married, I guess. Uh, we have pretty cool names as it is. <laughs> Steel demand, Earl. <laughs> well, his strategy was to prove that the death of Bertha was premeditated, you know, thereby qualifying uh, Bird for the death penalty. Um, I mean, it's weird to say that, though, <clears throat> because I fully believe that this was, uh, in his mind, a crime of, of opportunity. Mm-hmm. He fully had just intended on going in there and stealing stuff. But he absolutely was prepared for the eventuality and maybe even inevitability that he was going to fuck up somebody with an axe. I kind of feel like that had to have been the case. But I, I kind of also feel that, well, no, it, I think if no one were home, he would have just robbed and left, not hung out and waited for them or anything like that. But I think that the second he saw that they were home, I think he killed Bertha without Bertha even knowing he was there. And then I think that uh, they the said a struggle ensued with the daughter. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess they did just Are they say both named Bertha. No, the the the, the other one, the Beverly June. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, some of the most important uh, evidence in the trial was regarding the wanton murder of seventeen-year-old Beverly June, who was bludgeoned to death in the kitchen when she came to her mother's defense. Uh, blood and brain tissue from both victims were found on Bird's clothing. His bloody fingerprints were found in the house and on the axe. And his shoes were found at the murder scene. Fucking Never shoes. Did, he had his bare feet, man. You can't fit those shoes over bare feet. Bare feet, eagle talons blazing. Man, it's just smoking a big old fucking fat bowl of freedom. <laughs> so this, this date introduced... A prize witness, a surprise prize witness, Tacoma police officer John Hickey, who Ooh. testified that he and Officer Russell Scatum, S K A T T U M, that's right, don't look at me like that, that's the fucker's name, gave Bird a beating while he was in their custody. It's not the one, though. Hickey said, I regret to say that I lost my temper after returning from the clute home and viewing the terribly hacked bodies of the two women. I had asked Bird as we sat in the patrol wagon why he murdered the two women. He said he didn't do it. I asked him uh, who did it then, and he said it was Leroy. Who's Leroy? I asked him. Another Negro around town, Bird replied. "Uh, You're lying, I replied, and he looked at me with a smug and insolent look. I know I shouldn't have done it, but I hit him in the jaw with my fist, knocking him to the front of the patrol wagon. Then I struck him a number of times with my nightstick until he said, don't kill me. That brought me to my senses and we took him to the hospital where a nurse said he wasn't that badly hurt. Only took a few times. Yeah. I mean, uh, fucking nightsticks are... uh, It's only used in night court. I don't believe that's true, but I do believe they hurt like a motherfucker. Other ones are called day sticks. Especially if you're purposely busting them in the shins. Glow sticks. And they're not tie boxers. Tie sticks. Mm. Gross. Uh, later, when Prosecutor Steele moved to enter Bird's signed confession into evidence, uh, defense attorney Selden strenuously objected. He was like, I object! It's strenuous. That sounds like he was trying to... That's, you, that's what you strenuize. Strain. While you're doing. Um, to get that out. Declaring it had been obtained under duress, and therefore it was inadmissible. But Judge Hodge disagreed, because he was uh, an important white man. Which he uh, uh, Declaring uh, that... A ruling... Sorry, that there was no relationship between the beating that he received and uh, his voluntary confessions and admitted it into evidence, hmm. which I'm so glad that judge was there to, to know those things as facts and be able to convey that to uh, to the, the onlookers and the prosecutors and the defenders. Be like, no, it had nothing to do with it. This it was a voluntary confession. 
I don't care that he couldn't speak, see or hear. Could have gone left. That is his squiggle mark as signature. If that old white man was not there, mm-hmm. it could have gone somewhere All way darker. Is really. Um, so, uh, despite continued strenuous objections, objections by Selden, the confession was read into record. Uh, then the prosecution rested his case, which really is all you need to do as the prosecution <laughs> read his fucking confession. Uh, so the defense attorney, Selden, rested the defense without calling Bird or any other witness to the stand, which sounds fishy only for Bird, so it's Birdie. It sounds a little Birdie to me. Sounds a little Jackie Birdie to me. Closing arguments were begun on uh, Wednesday morning, November 26, 1947, and the case went to the jury at noon. After deliberating for only fucking 35 minutes, they returned with a verdict. Damn. He was found guilty of first-degree murder, and the jury voted to impose the death penalty. Fucking Jack Bird. Bird, who had been impassive throughout the whole trial, sat unmoved as the judge read the verdict. On his way back to Pierce County Jail, Bird asked the five deputy sheriffs guarding him, what's all the excitement about? Really, dude? <laughs> um, on Saturday, December 6th, Judge Hodge sentenced Bird to be hanged on the gallows at Washington State Penitentiary Ooh. on January 16th, 1948. After a motion for a new trial was denied by the judge that fucking set, set his execution date, uh, defense attorney Selden told the court that he had done everything in his power to defend Bird and that no further appeals would be made on his behalf. Then Selden declared, I feel whenever any man 45 years old gets, gets an idea that no lives are safe to anyone except his own. That a man is a detriment to society and should be obliterated. Obliterated. That is such a fucking a good word. seriously finite. Like this, uh, obliteration means obliteration. He's saying that this human being needs to be like that because he don't care about nobody but himself. But. It kind of means he cares about somebody. You know? mm, yeah, but no, I I think uh, I think that's a good word. Yeah, like <clears throat> you didn't say you and your seed, but I feel like you kind of meant that. Uh I guess <clears throat> get the, the the cake batter fucking mixer out, and then we'll just really go at it. I guess. Um, <clears throat> damn it! Where was that? I remember. Uh, when Judge Hodge asked Bird for comment, he declared, I was given no chance to defend myself. My own lawyers just asked you to hang me. My own lawyers just asked you to hang me. They apologized for defending me. If they were so reluctant to defend me, why did they contest the prosecutor's proof of murder and now say that everything is proven? At the end of his 20-minute impassioned speech, Bird declared, all you guys who had anything to do with this case are going to die before I do. It became known as the Jake Bird Hex. Within a year, five men connected with the case had died. What? Yeah, bitch. That's a twist. What the hell? What? So he's got the curse of Rasputin going on? I fucking guess so, man. Um... So, uh, let's see. This says Bird's past. Um, I feel like this is almost like a thing that people can do when they're like... I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say close to Satan. But, you know, um, in, in a way that they're... Like that, a hex. That they're able to, yeah, to yeah. like spread their evil. To be like, man, I've... You know what? You guys suck. No, you're gonna die before I do, and then I'm gonna go free, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play all the Nintendo I want, and I'm gonna eat fruity and chocolate fucking cocoa pebbles in the same bowl, and I'm gonna flaunt it in front of God on a Sunday, and we will see who dies first. Then I'm not sure that's a good idea. Flaunting fruity pebbles and cocoa pebbles in the same bowl—that's yeah. dangerous. You've never had chocolate-covered fruit. Well, yeah, but only on Tuesdays. I get it. It's dangerous to do that because the the excitement. There's the explosion uh, risk. The levels are just too high. You shouldn't. 
I mean, the... You shouldn't. The insulin levels are too high. Yeah. Um, Don't take too much, man. <clears throat> Don't take too much. So, uh, on his past, it says, uh, on December 7th, Pierce County Undersheriff Joseph E. Kropach and Deputy Michael Waverick, fuck, I hate this Washington place that no one's ever heard of before. Uh, they took him in a patrol wagon to state penitentiary in Walla Walla. That's an actual place, not just something that Bugs Bunny made up to await his execution. Shortly after his arrival, he began confessing to his involvement in a dozen murders that took place over a span of 20 years. On January 6th, 1948, at the request of Governor Mon- uh, Monrad Charles Walgreen, Walgreen, sorry, Grin, not Green. Monrad, what's the guy's name? M-O-N-R-E-D. Wow. Monrad Charles Walgreen. Uh, Sounds like a supervillain. Monrad. Uh, Pierce County Prosecutor Patrick Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E, <laughs> Tacoma Police Detective, Lieutenant Sherman Lyons. Stealing lions and rats. Great grandfather of Peter Walden. Um No. Uh, they went to the penitentiary to listen to the confessions. In an obvious bid for a reprieve, Bird offered to tell them more to clear his conscience. Uh, Steele told the press, we want to give him a chance to tell it, but we don't intend to permit him to use what he might have withheld as a means to add a few days to his life. Over the next several days, Steele and Lyons took voluminous notes on Bird's statements, which they compiled into a 174-page report for the governor's office. Damn. Yeah. On January 15th, 1948, Bird finally won a 60-day reprieve from Governor Walgren by claiming that, given time, he could, quote-unquote, clear up at least 44 murders that either that he either committed or participated in during his travels throughout the country. Good lord. His confessions brought a throng of investigators from across the nation to interview him at the state penitentiary. So, this uh, this this sentence is, is right. Of these 44 confessed murders, only 11 were substantiated. <laughs> only 11, like, pff, whatever. It's only... Oh. This motherfucker killed at least fucking 13 people then. It's only 25%. Ah. A little over 25. Uh, but Bird had more than enough knowledge about the others to be the prime suspect. Uh, police from several states took the opportunity to close the books on many of their unsolved murders. Uh, in his travels, he had murdered people, mostly women, in uh, Illinois, Kentucky, Nebraska, Omaha, Kansas, South Dakota, Ohio, Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and Washington. Meantime, uh, he appealed his convictions to the Washington State Supreme Court. He personally argued his case before the Supreme Court justices, stating that Judge Hodge had made several judicial errors and demanded a new trial. On November 30th, 1948, his final petition to the state for a retrial was denied. And on December 3rd, 1948, Judge Hugh J. Rossellini signed another death warrant, ordering Bird to be hung or hanged, you know, you can't order somebody to be hung. <laughs> I order you to be hung on January 4th. You wake up on January 4th. <gasps> it came true. Oh, shit. I can't walk like this. Um, <laughs> um, uh, to be hanged. My with pants Jan- legs are too tightly tampered. <laughs> January 14th, 1949. Um, Bird's attorney, Murray Taggart of Walla Walla. God, these fucking names are amazing immediately moved for a stay of execution to permit the filing of an appeal to the U.S. Court of Appeals. The motion was granted on the condition the court agreed to review the case. When the U.S. Court of Appeals refused, uh, Judge Rossellini set Bird's execution date for July 15, 1949. Attorney Taggart requested another stay of execution to permit the filing of an appeal with the Supreme Court, but the motion was denied. Undeterred, he filed three more petitions on Bird's behalf, but the U.S. Supreme Court refused to review the case. The last time on July 14, 1949, Bird's last hope was an act of executive clemency from Governor Arthur B. Langley. But Langley chose not to interfere with the execution. That dick. He's like, I don't feel like it, guys. I'm, you know, I, I, got, I got this rash. And it's, re- it's not that bad. It's, it's just like a... I know I'm going to call you back. Just after the whole thing. 
I don't want to interfere. Explosive diarrhea. Ah, uh, don't call me back. I gotta go. Back. <laughs> <laughs> gotta make it sound urgent. Um, the hang. Play it. Play it the whole way. On Thursday night, July 14th, 1949, Jake Bird ate his last meal on death row and then talked with his attorney for two hours. Bird told Taggart he could be a good loser as long as he felt everything possible had been done to save his life. Fucking Jack Bird. Later that night, he was moved to a holding cell near the gallows where he was shaved and dressed in new clothes. Just after midnight, Bird walked 10 feet from the cell to the gallows, accompanied by Warden Tom Smith and two prison guards. He said nothing to the 125 witnesses who had gathered in the room, but muttered muttered some comments to one of the guards. A volunteer prison chaplain, Reverend Arvid C. Ornell, started to read a note from Bird, declaring he bore no malice toward anyone and sought forgiveness. But before he finished, the trap door was sprung, dropping Bird five feet to his death. He couldn't even hear the end of his fuck you letter. Damn. Before they fucked him. Like, nope. We don't need to hear that. Jake Bird was hanged at 12.20 a.m. on July 15, 1949. His body was taken down 14 minutes later, and prison physician Dr. Elmer Hill pronounced him dead. He was buried in an unmarked grave in the prison cemetery. Identified only as convict number 21520, Bird willed his personal fortune, $6.15, to his appeals attorney, Murray Taggart. Although not formally educated, Bird gained a modicum of fame as a jailhouse lawyer, often arguing his own case before the court. Uh, His knowledge of the law, together with the help of people against the death penalty, enabled him to delay his execution for a full year and a half. Uh, Bird's case failed to capture the attention of the national press, even though he confessed to committing or being involved in at least 44 murders throughout the country. But history marks him as one of the nation's most prolific serial killers. The Jake Bird Hex. The five men connected with Bird's trial who died within a year of the Jake Bird Hex. Edward D. Hodge, Pierce County Superior Court Judge, age 69, died January 1st, 1941. Damn. Joseph E. Carpatch, Carpatch, undersheriff, age 46, died April 5th, 1948. George Harrington, uh, he was a court reporter, age 69, died June 11th. Sherman W. Lyons, oh no, not Lyons. Lyons is toast. Toast, lion on his, it's a little greasy, but it's good. Um, He was a police detective lieutenant. He died age 46, October 28th. 1948, and then James W. Selden, Bird's defense attorney, died age 76 on November 26th, 1948. Damn. According to the uh, Tacoma News Tribune, all of the men died from heart attacks. A a sixth man, a Washington State penitentiary guard assigned to death row, died of pneumonia two months before Bird's execution. And that is the short yet bombastically fucking loud and interesting story of Jake Bird. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the details of the 11 people they substantiated or corroborated. Um, well, I mean, uh, it, it basically, it sounds like uh, he... Um, so so they, they confirmed for sure um, at least 11... Uh, Okay, at least 11 crimes were solved through his confession, starting with the axe murders of two women in Evanston, Illinois, in 1942. Uh, Other victims uh, were absolutely confirmed in Louisville, Kentucky, Omaha, Nebraska, Kansas City, Kansas, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Cleveland, Ohio, Orlando, Florida, and Portage, Wisconsin. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Police in Houston suspected him of murdering Mrs. Harry Richardson, and Chicago authorities were curious about a weighted body retrieved from Lake Michigan, five miles south of Kenosha. Uh, Los Angeles detectives had their eye on him for murdering a black youth and a Jewish grocer. While in New York City, he was tentatively linked to the robbery and murder of a delicate- delicatessen owner. Wow. Uh, psychiatrists examined it. Exa- examined. They did mm-hmm. examined him, but they also examined him in jail and labeled him a psychopath. 
deriving satisfaction from the sight of women that would be cowering in terror. Um, was that was that their professional examination? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be examining on. And they just thought, no, walking down the. I'm out of here. I'm going to go example somewhere else. Um, so the verified cases of them, uh, most of his victims were female. Most were white. And the majority had been killed with hatchets or axes that were in their homes. Uh, Bird also put a quote-unquote hex on several enemies from prison. Uh, journalists reporting some half a dozen of them did die, which is the hex we heard about. What? Uh, yeah. Until he ran out of fucking stories to tell, man. July 15th. That's a pretty... Uh, uh, um... <clears throat> That's what I'm searching for. Um, Bombastically uh, loud and amazing. Effective hex. Obliteration. Yeah, you have to obliterate somebody whose who's hex is that damn effective. Yeah, you can't be having him hex all kinds of people with that hexing this stuff, you know? Um, I, like, I like the last sentence here of uh, the Wacky World of Murders website uh, story of on, on him. Uh, is an interesting bit. While in prison, it was reported that he put a few hexes on fellow prisoners. A local paper printed stories on these hexes being very feared by prisoners as a few of those bird cursed end up dying. Obviously, this is all bullshit, but it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's a bird curse. Man, you're a good writer. Bullshit bird curse. Mm. See, this guy, he, he likes making stuff up. He then stripped off all of his clothes and took the axe with him into the house. I guess... If I guess that poor Miss Clute and her daughter were a little surprised by a naked black man running through their house swinging an axe. Yeah, I would be a little bit surprised, I guess. I mean, you could, I'd be more surprised if he was Puerto Rican. He could be here to clean those wood shavings that I didn't know were there. That he made with the axes. Yeah. Well, he was naked in his yeah. penis. He'd he been smacking stuff with that all night, too. He stores them in the cheeks. Right in the, right in the cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> he also picks them up with the cheeks. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. This dude, I like the way he is not okay. He's embellishing. Uh, he is. Embellishing the examination. I, I think he maybe overheard two other people talking about this at a party and was like, uh, I, I could write that. I can, I can write that just fine. But so, see, we have 11. 11 substantiated, but 44 uh, are are spoken for. What do you say? Uh, confessed of, or and then it really at that at that at that point in his fucking uh, incarceration and impending fucking uh, death, he's literally only gonna buy a couple of days just so he can tell these other cops where the bodies are and shit. Maybe. What is the use? I mean, I, I mean, unless he, well, he certainly didn't fucking turn over a new leaf and feel uh, sadness and remorse and want these families to have closure. Mm -hmm. So what's the fucking use of having two more days if those days are just days full of trying to convince people that you should have another day of trying to convince people? Because you're not leaving. You're not leaving the jail. You're I mean, going to die because of them killing you. I mean... Why? Why even try to fucking just... I don't get it. That's weird. Stretch it out, I guess. Yeah, like his neck when they kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah stretch yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. Milking it, if you will. Mm, I don't know about that. Unless it's over the pants. <laughs> it's so messy. Um, so, uh, that's what... That's what he did, man. Jack Bird. The Tacoma Axe Killer. He killed axes with Tacomas. The trucks. <laughs> the Tacoma truck. He Would that even work? Oh, uh, yeah. You could kill an axe with that if you could bring it to life first. I mean, it would have to, some kind of magic would have to be involved at some point. At the beginning. Mostly the, the axe being alive. Yeah. Which is the scary thing to yeah. have. Because yeah. what if you yeah. make it upset? Yeah. It just takes off his clothes and runs around your house black and naked. Thankfully, it doesn't have any arms, so it can't technically molest you, but... I mean, it can totally blunt and you pretty good, though. It can split your shit pretty well. 
stay away from my shit, man. I'm telling you about that earlier, and that's not cool that you bring it up here. I split it with a sharp wedge. With a sharp wedge. With a pigeon wedge. With a pigeon wedge. So, wow, an hour. Yeah. An hour that we got out of this guy's four paragraph life story. And then nicely done, sir. slightly longer paragraphs of his his uh, arrest, his trial, and his execution. Well, I think that one was uh, I, yeah. a neatly wrapped little package there. I uh, and uh, I actually like what it makes us think about. Kind of like your breasticles. Why are you thinking about my breasticles? And why would you call them breasticles? What the fuck is wrong with you? It's not like my. It's not like a vag cleave kind of thing. It's totally a vag cleave thing. No way. It's a dangle stitch in you, know, bitch. <sighs> well, so, I mean, that's uh, just gravity and age. and. I will say in honor of every badass named fucker that we, we came across tonight, uh, that, I mean, I, I, I can only say thank you for listening to another fucking... Uh, man, steel, lion, <laughs> fucking sh- turtle sh- nuts, turtle, turtle nuts, and eagle-hearted episode of. <laughs> the UFOs, the conspiracies, and the moitas, and the car. <laughs> Don't forget the car. Count car. <laughs> If I can't do it, you can't do it. Turkey sound. That was Yeah, blame it on the turkey. Blame it on the turkey. Yeah, yeah. Uh Blame it on the fridge that wouldn't refrigerate it right. The the technology was coming up at that time. In the in the nineties? Well, when Blame It on the Turkey was written. <laughs> blame it on the turkey, blame it on the turkey, blame it on the turkeys, baby. Man, that poor Millie and Vanilli. Robin Fab, they were named. Their real names? Yeah, Robin Fab. R O B and A N D F A B. German. So. Both of them? Uh, no, they were just one was Rob and the other one was Fab. <laughs> oh. They were both German. Though. Oh, yes. they were German. Jesus. Yes. German blacks with long hair and really tight shorts and never again will we allow such a thing. Not unless they have an axe and they're naked running through your house. <sighs> Going schnitzel, schnitzel, schnitzel. Mm-mm. Blame it on the schnitzel. Mm-mm. Make spetzel out of your gray matter <sighs> with an axe. Only at Oktoberfest. That see that doesn't sound anything like the turkey sound I did. <laughs> also, for real countdown now. Three, two, one. One. Good night, children of the midday. Thank you for that ending fucking stupid loud truck. It's still there, somehow. Yeah. Because it's still in one fucking place. Loud ass truck. Go away. Okay. Sweet dreams. Yeah.